I'm talking about the kingdom, and we're going to go in talking more about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the rule of the Messiah here on earth, the rule of the Messiah within our hearts. The reason why I'm doing that, I started off the year, I was really a simple thing, I was going to do a teaching on elders, then I sense God say, no, I want you to lay foundation this year, and so I started talking about Jesus the Messiah, the apostle that's come from heaven, the apostle who came to announce the kingdom of heaven, to model the kingdom of heaven, to teach on the kingdom of heaven, and to usher in the kingdom of heaven on earth. And that there is no understanding of who we are as the ecclesia outside of understanding the kingdom of heaven, the rule of heaven, the reign of God. There's no understanding apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers outside of an understanding of the kingdom of heaven, the reign of God. And so it's important for me to lay that down for us and talk about it. And I believe that we're going to be talking about it in a lot of different ways. Now, I talk about not doing church, doing Christ. I talk about Christianity. For me, Christianity is the, the organized institutions and traditions that are centered around the teachings of Christ, the Judeo-Christian understanding. And yet, I think you're very much aware and if not, at least I'm very much aware that there can be many people involved in Christianity who know nothing of the reign of the Messiah within their hearts and lives and are not living in any way as though they have an expectation of standing before the Messiah and giving accountability regarding their lives or entering into the kingdom of the Messiah. They're living very much for this life. They are very much involved in Christianity, but absorbed in a world mindset, absorbed in world values, living for the things of this earth. They are not under the reign of the Messiah. And so as we look at the teachings regarding the kingdom of God, we'll realize that both can grow up together. And you may not even be able to recognize visually, by appearance, the difference and yet there is a difference, and it has to do with the reign of the Messiah within the heart and over the life of each and every person. And so we become the ecclesia, the called out ones, who are called out of this world into the kingdom of heaven. Called out of this world under the rule of the Messiah. In that, we are in covenant relationship with God through the Messiah, who has come, first of all, as the suffering servant to give his life in order to make full redemption for us, to redeem us from the world, to redeem us from our sins, to redeem us from the power of Satan, so that we can be brought out of the, the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness 
has been purchased for all, but is available as a blessing for those who are willing to come into kingdom. Redemption from the power of the enemy is available for all. He has been completely disarmed, but it is actually available to be experienced only by those who come into kingdom and under the reign of the Messiah. So there are tremendous blessings available for those who are walking in covenant with him and who are living under this realm tremendous blessings and only from the power of the reign of the messiah within us is the grace to overcome the power of sin the grace to overcome the power of the world the grace to overcome the rule of the enemy and his deceptions only through submission of our hearts to the reign of messiah within Tremendous blessings, tremendous blessings, tremendous freedom, tremendous healing, tremendous hope because the kingdom of heaven which is reigning within us and the kingdom of heaven which is reigning in the heavens over all of the nations will one day come together with the second coming of the Messiah who will come in all of the powers of the kingdom of heaven, catch us away who are citizens of that kingdom and the kingdoms of this earth shall become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. Tremendous, tremendous hope. Tremendous inheritance. So the scriptures teach us that what is of this particular world over order is simply temporary. Regardless of how glorious it may be, it is fading. And it eventually will be wrapped up and done away with. But the kingdom that we have come to belong to, its glory shall never end. It will never fade. And so as we begin to experience the reign of the king within our hearts, we begin to experience a transformation into the very likeness of the king. Because he is the embodiment of the kingdom. And so we begin to live like him and love like him. But also like him, we begin to find our way of life our value systems in conflict with the world that we live in. We begin, and it is becoming increasingly apparent as the time of winnowing is at hand. Don't think in your minds, there is a time coming when God will gather everybody together and he'll go, this is on this side and that's on this side and we're going to separate the separation is happening now. The winnowing is happening now. So that we are presented with choices to choose the reign of the Messiah or the kingdoms of this world. The pleasure of the king or the approval of men. The reign of God's 
glory and his righteousness within our hearts or the reign of self. And the winnowing takes place in very obscure decisions that we make in the private places of our lives. So I just want to talk about from a few parables and just bring some simple simple statements to us that you have an idea of the direction that I'm going in. And, and let me pray, because please, I don't want anybody to think like he's way out there. I keep telling you, I'm one centimeter ahead of you, therefore I am a leader. And I'm pressing in with a cry in my heart, I want an increase of the reign of the Messiah inside of my life. And I'm recognizing the challenge between my human mindset. And again, I said to you earlier, God said to me, you need to begin to soak in certain things regarding my word because your mind is not yet prepared for what it is that I want to do. You see, our mindset has to change in order for us to be able to come into agreement with the ho- what the Holy Spirit wants to do within here. He's going to be challenging us into areas of obedience and areas of surrender and reordering of value systems and priorities and ways of, of looking at things and perspectives regarding his kingdom, regarding this earth, regarding the things of the earth, regarding who we are and what our identity is and what our calling is. He's going to be reordering all of that, but unless our minds are able to come into alignment with the thinking of the Word and even the language of the Word. So I really encourage people, I love my Bible. I love my Bible. And sometimes you hear me talking, you hear me talking about this and you you wonder if I love my Bible because I draw a line between the Scriptures and the Word. I just want you to know for me. The Word is, is the message of the kingdom. I can read these scriptures, I can study these scriptures, I can know these scriptures and never allow kingdom reign to be within me and never truly see and value the Messiah as the King and the one to reign within me. But when I hear the word, the message of God's eternal plan and purpose through the Messiah that is at work right now within His church, when I hear the word and the message of that word, and I come into submission to it, I actually begin to see out of these stories, not just, not just scriptures, not just letters, not just books, I see an emerging story of the eternal plan and purpose of God in Christ the Messiah who has now come into this world and even more come to reign within my heart as I allow that word, the word of the kingdom, to be planted inside so that kingdom actually takes root and kingdom actually grows within me. It has a transforming effect within my life. I love love this book because... Within these scriptures, the word emerges in its purest and its deepest form and its, its depth, its depth throughout the story of the history of mankind. It's incredible. I love this book. All right, enough of that. Let me go into the parables. But I need to pray. Father, I love what I do. I love the privilege of doing it. I want to do it well. I want to be just simply available for those things that you have been working and depositing within my heart to come out. Lord, I love these people. 
and I sense your love. And Lord, I, I, I appreciate the celebration of your love, but I also recognize the depth of your love. And that, God, your love is for us as sons and as daughters, heirs of the kingdom with your Son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And your love longs to cause us to mature and to grow. Lord, I sense that your love is very much involved in that. God, a maturing of our our understanding, a, a maturing of our response to you. And I'm asking you that today as I speak, God, it would stay simple. It would, it would just be spoken true and simply, and it would, it would be planted in every heart. I pray that every distraction, both within my mind and God, within the hearts and the minds of those that are listening, would be removed, and that God, there would just simply be the ability to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I'm going to be talking from some parables today, and parables are lessons that are used of common physical things and humble, simple stories. They're about common natural things that reveal or conceal invaluable principles in the spiritual or the unseen world. So just common, easy-to-understand stories that happen from natural life, that within them are used for those that are hungry who want to look into these humble stories and are, are, are willing to look beyond the story into the realm of the Spirit, these can be illuminating. Okay, for others, they're a humble story, they don't see the spiritual reality, and actually the spiritual reality is conceived, sealed and hidden from people within the stories. We're going to be talking about parables of the kingdom. So, a story that's brought alongside of the principle of the kingdom, which is huge. It's huge. It has all kinds of different facets to it. But in its simplest form, we're talking about wherever God rules, wherever He reigns, that is the kingdom. He rules in the heavens, and He rules in my heart. Wherever God reigns, we're talking about the kingdom. And so we have God's reign in the heaven, we have God's reign on the earth, and I've talked about that already, so I won't go into that anymore. I want to talk first of all about this parable, Matthew 13, verse 34. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. A man found it and concealed it. And then, in his joy... He goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. So this is a, about a man discovering a treasure. The treasure's in a field. The man was not searching for a treasure. Okay, somehow he's in the field, digging or however, but he comes across the treasure accidentally, not intentionally. The treasure is, it's been there, but it hasn't been obvious. Otherwise, others would have picked up the treasure. So he obviously doesn't want to keep it obvious. So he ends up burying it again. However, he wasn't looking for it. He stumbled across it. 
But he does have the capacity to recognize the worth of it. And he recognizes that this is worth everything. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who's not necessarily searching for, but he comes across something that's not obvious to everyone else. And in seeing it, he has the capacity to recognize its value. So much so that he recognizes it's worth being sold out for. He wasn't willing to risk the possibility of losing it, either by stealing it and getting caught, or by just leaving it there obvious so somebody else would accidentally come across it and take it. So his plan is this. I'm going to bury the treasure so I don't accidentally lose it. And I'm going to go and sell everything that I have to buy the field. I'm going to buy this field. Because if I buy the field, then whatever in the field is legally mine, therefore I cannot lose it. I possess it. But to possess it, I must buy the field, and to buy the field, I must sell everything that I have. And this man not only found the treasure, had the capacity to recognize its value, but he was actually willing to sell everything that he had to possess the kingdom. There are lots of people who will hear the message about the kingdom. Some will go, that's just Christianity, it's just something about Christianity, uh, organized religion like other religions, don't really have an interest in that, they don't understand it. Other people come and they join a part of Christianity, they're a part of the, become a part of the, you know, the institution and the traditions and the, the yearly calendar and the festivals, they do Easter, they do Christmas, they do the whole enchilade of Christianity, but they, they haven't recognized kingdom. They haven't understood the kingdom. They haven't recognized the value and what a treasure it is to see and know and experience and be a part of the kingdom And there's another group, because I didn't talk about one word that was in here, because it says, and he went with joy and sold everything that he had. So he saw the value. He understood possessing this was worth more than possessing anything else. And so it was a joy to him. He was not a reluctant believer who says, I know you're demanding all, but I don't really want to give it because I'm not really sure it's worth it. He was a joyful believer in the message of the kingdom, who saw the kingdom, who understood its worth, who was going to do whatever he could to possess it, which meant he had to be sold out for it, and he did it with joy. Now you're talking about a citizen of the kingdom. These are the qualities of one who belongs to the kingdom. 
Now you're left taking that into your life because this is the wonderful thing about parables. Simple little story. You can remember it anywhere and it can be brought back to your memory anywhere. Like when God's calling you to walk in obedience and he's meeting with your reluctance. When he's looking for you to be sold out but you want to hold back. And all he's saying is the kingdom is made up of people Not people who were necessarily looking for it, but when they found it, they recognized the value of it. When they found, recognized the value of it, they wanted to possess it, and they were going to possess it no matter what, and even though they realized it meant to be absolutely sold out for it, they became sold out for it, and not reluctantly, with joy. That's the kingdom. So let's go on to another parable. Now this came right along with the other one. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, this person is actually intentionally looking for something of value. He's looking for pearls. He wants to acquire the finest pearls. He has been at work in this. This is his trade. He has the knowledge, the training, and experience to examine and evaluate a pearl's true worth. But he finds one pearl, and he discerns that the worth of this one pearl is greater than the sum worth of all the other possessions that he has. And so he, he cannot add it to his collection. He cannot add it to his other interests and his other pursuits. It has to be all or nothing. All or nothing. So he has to see the pearl, recognize that it is worth more than the sum total. That wasn't obvious to everybody. Or if it was obvious to others, they were not willing to make that one pearl their all-consuming pursuit. But to this merchant, which is what kingdom is made up of, all I'm telling you is the characteristic of kingdom. He saw that this one pursuit, this one possession, was worth the sacrifice of every other pursuit. It was all or nothing, and he chose all. That's kingdom. So as we continue to begin to talk, we continue to talk about the kingdom of God, and it's call on our lives. These stories stay with us. Okay, next story. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was leavened. So again, leaven was well known because baking bread was a, a main activity. Bread was a main food and also because leaven was used as a religious symbol. So it was well known. Leaven was produced by mixing various plants and kernels of grain together and allowing those to ferment. And in bread making, leaven was usually a piece of dough left over from a previous past that was lent, left to ferment before it was added to more flour. So here we have a woman doing a normal task of making bread. She places the leaven so that it's concealed within the dough where it can be effective. 
Okay, so the idea of it's hidden in the flour, that's not anything new or mysterious. It's just taking the, the leaven and putting it in the flour so that it's covered with the flour and it's going to do its work. The measure of the flour was three pecks of meal or about a bushel, which would have been a normal batch for making bread. So I'm, I'm really simplifying this because if you go out there to look at teaching on, I mean, they'll, they'll pick apart breadcrumbs and turn them into typology. So, I mean, they make, it, they make it so complicated. This was just a normal activity that what a woman was doing that everybody would understand, taking leaven, putting it into the flour in a normal batch of flour in order to make bread. That's what she was doing. So, pretty common experience. Now, it is true that leaven was prohibited, according to the Scriptures, during the Feast of Passover. That's Exodus 33 and 34. And leaven represented decay and impurity and corruption, so special effort had to be made to rid every home of every trace of leaven and to avoid it on other holy days as well. Jesus used leaven to talk about the corrupting influence of the Pharisees' religious hypocrisy or of Herod's political hypocrisies in Mark 8 and 15. And leaven is also used in the New Testament to represent immoral behavior, 1 Corinthians 5, 5, or legalism in Galatians 5, 9, or malice and wickedness in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 8. But the big idea is corrupting influence, right? But Jesus here is not talking about corrupting influence. He's just talking about influence. And he's now saying, the kingdom is like leaven. Let's look at the influence that leaven has within the flour. So he's simply taking a simple task of making bread and bringing it alongside of a principle of a kingdom to illustrate how the kingdom of heaven begins small, begins in a hidden way, but it carries out its influence. The kingdom of heaven begins with Jesus Christ. It begins humbly. His humble beginnings, born as a babe, born in a manger, in a stable. His life of love and service. So not seeking to be anybody of note, just simply giving his life constantly in the service of love and compassion for people. And involves his, his life, his suffering, his sacrificial death at the hands of hatred and wickedness. And what would to people who think in a worldly manner, it would seem like failure. That's how his life ended. Humble beginnings, criminal death. That's how it began. Kind of sour, <laughs> not so good. It's a small act of sacrificial love. And yet, once that's accomplished, it begins to work in our world. It begins to work in the heart of somebody who recognizes this is the Messiah. This is the hope of all of the world. This is the one who vanquishes evil. This is the one who vanquishes darkness. This is the one who brings about deliverance from the power of our enemy. This is the one who will restore kingdom, God's kingdom and God's rule to the earth. I recognize him as Messiah and I receive him in my heart as Messiah. Once you receive him, not Christianity, not your sinner's prayer, him, 
in your heart as Messiah, it begins to work within your life. His humility begins to attack your pride. His servanthood begins to attack your entitlement. His sacrificial love begins to attack your self-centeredness. His all-or-nothing approach to pleasing his Father and doing his will begins to attack your independence. And it begins to exert its influence in the life who truly holds him as Messiah until that life, every part of it, its priorities, its value systems, its way of thinking, its perspective, everything that it's living for comes under the influence. And as that person begins to live out that influence within his life, and he begins to touch other people's life with that same humility, with that same sacrificial love, as he begins to yield himself in obedience in the same way to the Father's will and to the way of life and way of love of Jesus, he begins to touch other people's hearts whose hearts begin to open to the Messiah until the Messiah comes into that heart because of the pathway of love. And as the Messiah begins to come into that heart, that heart begins to change. That life begins to change. That person's priorities begin to change. All of a sudden, we begin to have a community of people who are living together, not because they're doing church, not because they're doing Christianity, because they're living together as people who are under the reign of the Messiah whose lives are being lived out and whose value systems are coming under the kingdom of heaven. They are a community that's called Ecclesia. The called out ones. Called out to live life under the reign of the king. The influence begins to grow because people like him begin to lay down their lives to begin to see the kingdom advance and the gospel of the kingdom spread. And it advances because the resistance of pride and self-centeredness and self-gratification gives way to the influence of the king until this begins to spread across nations and across the globe. An influence that cannot be stopped. The kingdom of heaven is like a lump of leaven. And it's going to come against things within your life and it is going to become the dominating influence that will give rise to the reign of the Messiah over your hearts. Understand I'm not talking about going to church anymore. You can go to church and none of this happen because you haven't actually taken in. You haven't actually heard the message. You haven't actually seen its value. You haven't actually given your all to possess it. You actually haven't come under its influence. But the kingdom of heaven is made up of people who have. And it's not my place to judge anyone else but to look in my own heart and keep crying out, I want the reign of the Messiah. I want the reign of the Messiah. Interesting little stories, eh? Just little stories. 
No common things. Yeah, probably nothing in them. Not really a big deal. Let's stand and pray. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm just saying, just, 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 just hear me. True disciples found themselves at the feet of Jesus saying, how does this apply to my life? Help me understand it. There's something here, but now I need to take it for me. I feel my mind arguing with it. I feel my heart wrestling with it because I kind of know what it means, but I'm not really sure I want to hear it. Not really sure I want to hear it. Oh, that was a nice little story he told, nice little sermon. We've heard those sermons about the parables before. That was really good. Let's go home now. Can I have a coffee before I go? Oh, I really like that. I can see that. That was a really good word. I want to take that. But you mean it's going to cost me? Do you mean there's going to be opposition if I leave this out? Do you mean I actually have to take a stand that's unpopular? Live a life that's not completely understood? I'm not sure I want the heat of that. Do you mean that I'm going to have to uproot from my life all of these conflicting priorities, all of these conflicting things that are... Like, i got a lot of demands in my life, you know? i got a lot of things going on. There's a lot of things that are priorities. I'm working towards my retirement. I'm, I'm trying to get my career going. I've got all my family issues that are going on. I've got so many things that are going on. And you're talking about the, the kingdom of God taking such a priority in my heart. I don't know how to do that. I don't know if I want to do that. I don't understand. You, I'm just not sure that this is... I understand it. I fully accept it. But I don't know how much of me I really want to give to it. And depending on your response, you've just gone into the parable of the sower and you can produce whatever to whatever extent you want to. Let's pray. Lord, I just simply humbly bow myself before you because I know how stubborn and I know how slow I am. And so I know how patient you are. I know how merciful you are. I know how forgiving you are. And God, this has nothing to do about condemning me. Every time I come before you, you're there. I have access to your presence. I have your love. I have your forgiveness. I have your encouragement. I have your kindness. You look at me with eyes of delight. You love in me. You love on me. You want me, you want me to know the security I have in your love. And I just thank you for that. And yet, God, your kingdom doesn't change. It's made up of people who understand and receive the word of the kingdom, recognize it for its value, are willing to be sold out and sold out with joy for your reign to be within their hearts. They are willing to be offended and have their, have their little old self offended. They are willing to challenge every other priority within their life. They are willing to give everything they have and to whatever degree they do that, they can experience this kingdom growing within them. But Lord, in this whole process, there's a shifting. There's a sifting taking place. A sifting of our hearts before you. And so I'm just humbly asking God, that in my private life, in the quiet place of how I live out life where nobody else sees it, as these choices are presented to me, and God, these parables, these truths challenge my heart. 
I am asking that by the empowerment of Christ the Messiah living in me, I would yield to the reality of the kingdom and allow you to reign in my life. Lord, I'm not giving an altar call because the altar call happens as we go into our world and we choose there to respond. The changing of our mind, changing of our priorities, changing of our perspectives, God, changing so that we would come under the obedience of the message of the gospel. Lord, I pray as we go through this year, you would make this clearer to every single one of the us, what this call is and who we are as a people. You would tear away from us, God, the things that we have learned that cause us to be involved in God, institutions and traditions, but God, resist and even allow us to continue in that way without coming under the full influence of your kingdom. And I ask that this year your kingdom would be like leaven in our midst, permeating every part of our lives. For Jesus' sake, amen.